Welcome to Kingwood Church's 2011 Vision Cast. Didn't they do a good job? Wasn't that fun? Hey, turn in your, um, well, I was going to say turn your Bible, but don't just yet. Uh, last year, we set out to explore and seek the Lord for some direction for what we might do that year. And then we did the same thing this year. And as this little skit shows you, we found some things as we were looking around that we sensed the Lord leading us to uh, this year. And so I want to share those with you in the next four weeks, next four Sundays. But let me just jump right into where, where the issues are. Discipleship and, and evangelism in America, evangelism in particular, has shown really uh, low results in the last uh, several decades in American life, and then worse signs of discipling people who invite Jesus into their heart. The Assemblies of God published a report a few years ago, and they did a 10-year search and found out that only 4% of people who ask Jesus into their heart find their way into a local church. 4%. That's a, that's a really low amount. George Gallup said, Never before in the history of the United States has the gospel of Jesus Christ made such inroads while at the same time making so little difference in how people actually live. As, as I thought about um, God's leading in my own life and ministry, uh, and through the last several years, I've just come to some conclusions about what I would invest my life in. And as we transitioned here, it's not been my motivation or ambition to, to lead you or anybody else to become the largest church in Birmingham. That's not, that's not what I'm about. That's not what Kingwood's about. That's not what, what we're going to do. What I would do, though, is I would trade being the largest church in Birmingham for two other things. One is, I would trade that for becoming the deepest church. What I mean is that we would encourage you and equip you and help you to go to places in your spiritual life that you've never been and probably wouldn't have gone without this church. So it's not a spiritual badge, I don't mean it like that, but just to really pursue God, to go after Him and all that He has. And to keep encouraging you to do the same thing. Here's the other thing I would trade it for. To, to reach the most unchurched people. Now, let me, do you know what church growth conferences are about? Church growth conferences are about one of two things. They're either about how to make your church more conveniently fit to 21st century American life. Or how to handle... Um, handle yourself and become more attractive to people who go to other churches. And nobody says it that way, but that's what it's about. That's the results that the church growth movement has yielded in America in the last three decades. That's what it's about. So, so it does us no good, though, if we just keep seeing people come from other churches in America and just keep rearranging people across the country. That doesn't do any good. It doesn't, it doesn't change the climate. While we're doing all the exchanging, the church in America keeps declining. So it doesn't do good to borrow people from other churches. 
And so what I would like us to do is zero in on deep spiritual life and then impacting those people who don't go to church. Actually seeing people's lives change. Now, this grow symbol is what we've kind of summarized the entire... You're going to see this symbol all year long. It has two things, if you can see it. Our, our vision for this year is grow and go. And you can see inside it how it functions. The arrows, if you can see them, are pointing in, which means that we've got to grow spiritually. I don't mean, I don't mean we've got to grow large. I mean inside. The arrows are pointing in. You've got to grow spiritually. I've got to grow spiritually. In fact, can I tell you who in this room is going to grow the most this year? Me. And I invite you to come with me. It's going to be a journey. And I want you to come. The arrows are pointing in. We've got to grow spiritually. We've got to grow in maturity. We've got to help people on all levels of faith grow, especially new believers. And those young in faith. You wouldn't take an infant and leave them out in the parking lot. But baby Christians are left in parking lots all over America. And we've got to take them in and help them find strength and maturity and faith. It's not about getting everyone to the same place in their faith at the same time. That's not possible. It's, a, it's not about getting them there. The kingdom doesn't work that way. It's about starting where you already are and growing from there. We're not growing to somewhere. We're growing from somewhere. We're not headed to a destination. We're on a journey. You change as you journey. You're not looking for an arrival point in the kingdom. You're looking for the next step. You're looking for your own journey of transformation and growth. And as you journey, you change. Now, there's arrows pointing in because we've got to grow. If you can see it now, those arrows pointing out because we've got to go. We've got to grow and then we've got to go. We've got to take the spiritual energy and the spiritual life and the spiritual change that's happening in us and we've got to take it to our community. The community's not coming. They're not coming in. We've got to go out. We have to go and transform our community with the the spiritual growth that happens in us has to be focused missionally. So where do we start? We'll talk about this all month. Where do we start with a vision like this? Where's the point to start? Two places. With you and God. The place to start this vision, and a matter of fact, all visions, is you and God. Me and God. Us and God. I will never lead you in a vision that doesn't have at heart your relationship with God. Forget about institutional goals, forget about church goals, forget about numbers, forget about plans. If we succeed as a church, but you don't get closer to God, then we failed. And our vision failed. If you have better and better experiences with us while you're on campus, but you don't become more like God, then our vision failed. I don't know what else Christianity is about. It's about you being with God and becoming like Him. My concern is we have churches across the country whose vision is succeeding, but the spiritual life of its members is failing. I think that's, I think to God that's vision failure. If you don't grow, we fail. 
We shouldn't hang our vision on anything else. Right at the core, right at the cusp of that issue of growth is your devotional life. Now, as long as I have the privilege of standing before you, I will challenge you and encourage you and try to whet your appetite for a devotional life with God. Because I believe it is the greatest pursuit on earth. And I will always encourage you to grow in that area. I, when I was early in ministry, uh, this, this sounds strange because you'll, you'll, you'll think I should have thought opposite and I should have. Our youth ministry grew and, and we had adult workers. And, and it dawned on me one day, I have no idea what the devotional life of those youth workers is like. No idea. Never dawned on me I should know. I thought I'm concerned about the spiritual life of those teenagers and God has brought these adults to work with those teenagers. But it never dawned on me. What is the, so I decided I would, I would find out. So I had a one-on-one meeting with all 25 of the, of the committed youth workers we had and, I, and we just talked. Tell me about your devotions. Tell me about your Bible study. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about uh, how that's going. And then we talk about the youth ministry son. And I, this, this, I don't know. I learned something that shook me and changed me. I had some of the best, um, some of the best people I knew working in that youth ministry. Some, some were, you know, not as committed and some were more committed. But people that I respected, people that I looked up to, people who were faithful, people who had a, a great attitude, people who had a servant's heart, people that would do anything you want them to do. Sweet, faithful, on time, all those stuff. But as I looked across and I went one by one, I became completely disillusioned and I found out Christians don't do devotions. And I, di- I didn't know that. I mean, a lot of Christians don't do devotions. And I, d- I didn't know. And as I listened, I became, I just assumed and I became completely blown away. And the few in that group who had some sense of devotional life did, didn't know how to do it. One, one lady says to me, well, I, I read in Psalms and, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go to Psalms and read and, and uh, pray a little bit. And, and I, I said, that's what you do. That's what I do. That's it. That's it. And so, at that point, I, I determined how would I spend the rest of my years in ministry? What would my life in ministry be about? And, and I'm amazed as I've looked around at the people who have lived dependent on their church for their spiritual life rather than dependent on Jesus. And now that might sound so close. I think we've misunderstood the church as Jesus. The church is Jesus' body, but the church ain't Him. And so I'm amazed at the churches that have taught people to do that. So you say, well, if I'm not dependent on the church for my spiritual life, well, what's the church for? The church is to encourage you and teach you and equip you and train you and grow you to be dependent on Jesus. 
It's not, it's not here to teach you to be dependent on itself. It's here to encourage you and teach you in your journey and to partner together for local and global impact. To touch the world. So we were, after early service, a man came up to one of our staff after we shared this message and he said, I have lived dependent on the church for my spiritual life all my life. Just this morning, about an hour ago. And he said, and I've jumped from one church to another. And he said, I've got to stop. I've got to grow. I, I think that we have allowed that substitution. I, I think most people that are frustrated with their church are actually frustrated with their relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying all church frustration is there. All church frustration is not there. But I think a lot of it is. Because our satisfaction, no church can satisfy your soul. <laughs> no pastor can satisfy, no teaching, no worship, no song, no event, no experience. But Jesus is living water. And he's the bread of life. And he can satisfy your soul. And so we've got to get to know him. So this year, here's what we're going to do. Let me give you several things. Every week I'm going to give you several things we're going to do to really go after this part of the vision that we think God's given us to look in. We've got the Grow Devotional. So if you haven't picked your devotional up, I want to encourage you. Pastor Clark mentioned it. As you exit this morning, grab a devotional. We start first thing in the morning in the snow. Praise God. We're going to start in the snow. We are going to be battle tested and the enemy's going to, you know, chase us right off the bat. Get your devotional. Uh, so for three or four weeks, how many ever? 28 days, I think. We'll have devotions together on the same way and it'll, it'll be incredible. God's going to speak to us all through it. But, and then we'll talk later about what do we do after that. Now, here's the other thing. Inside your bulletin, uh, Pastor Clark mentioned it. Uh, we experimented with Deeper Life last year and found it to be what we hoped it would be. And so Deeper Life is now part of us. As we start this year, this Wednesday is the official launch of Deeper Life. Deeper Life is designed for the very purpose to help you grow. Deeper Life, what Deeper Life is, is it's not a lecture. Deeper Life is a, is a, is a uh, class-based, interactive discussion around these topics. And so it's meant to be very interactive and very centered on God's work in you. I taught a class this last fall on evangelism, and we had the opportunity to pray with a lady in the middle of our class who, who was trying to reach out to her husband who had just has a, a matter of months to live. Um, and she came to that class to say, what can I do? So see, what she needed to know about evangelism had everything to do with where her husband was. And so that's what the class became about for her. And that's how we led it. So the, these classes are, are interactive and, and spirit-filled, spirit-led. So look here. If you don't have a consistent devotional life, let me just encourage you. And these classes are three weeks. We used to do two and four. We found out that's complicated. They're going to be three weeks. Every Sunday when you come in, the Deeper Life class schedule for this Wednesday is going to be on the bulletin. So you can, you can jump in every Wednesday, every Wednesday. Every three weeks there will be a new uh, list of classes starting that are going to be in these topics. If you don't have a consistent devotional life, I want to encourage you, this Wednesday come, a class is going to be taught, develop a, a personal devotional life. And then if you do have a consistent devotional life, look at right under it, prayer in the pen, writing prayers. There's some uh, rich things that have to do with writing and journaling and your own devotional life. And so if you're a little more advanced, that will help you. 
Uh, and then there's a, a lot of other classes on a lot of other things that will also help you grow. But deeper life is going to stay with us now. And I want to encourage you to jump in it to help you grow. Now, here's the third thing. This year, we're going to begin a new uh, experience called SOAK. The third, Wednesday, uh, third Sunday night of every month, we're going to... Uh, sometimes we have sub-meetings and different things going on on campus on Sunday nights. Everything's going to shut except the sanctuary. And we're going to be here together on the third Sunday night of every month, starting in February, for an experience called SOAK. That, what that has to do with is, let's get together in God's presence... And let's just listen to him and let him lead us and completely, totally have his way. What I'm saying to you is this will be the most important service on Kingwood's campus, in Kingwood's life every month. It won't be Sunday morning. It won't be whatever else it is. It'll be that service. That will, that, from that service, God will speak to us. And what he speaks to us will fill every part of Kingwood life. And so I'm asking you to join us on those Sunday nights. We will pray. We will worship. If we do announcements or any of that stuff, it'll all be at the end. We'll push that all out of the way. We're just going to come and soak in His presence. You and I, it'll be almost like a retreat. You and I, have we've got to provide space for God. We've got to provide room for Him to do whatever it is He wants to do and just, and just take the order, the schedule, and just throw it away. And just Come. And that's what that's going to be about. And so, look, I, I know that some of you say, look, I, we're, we're not a family or whatever. We don't do Sunday nights. And all. Okay, I, 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 I get it. I understand. Can you do one? Can you come that Sunday night each month and give an hour and a half or whatever it is? And can you come together and let the Spirit of God and His presence and His voice fill your soul and encounter Him? And let him just soak in his presence until you become as full as you can get. And, and here's what we'll do. Before that service, we're going to open up a time for intercessory prayer. Because what we're, what we're asking God to do is do advance this church, advance the families in it, advance our life, advance our understanding. We want to we get as close to God as we can get. And so we're going to come before that and pray. And so what I'm asking you is if you're interested in intercession, maybe God's calling you now. Maybe that's his voice you're sensing now to come be a part of that meeting and intercede. And let's watch God break the things he wants to break, heal the things he wants to heal, feel the things he wants to feel. And, and, and here's the deal. If you want to be an intercessor, let me, and let me ask you this too. If you want to be what we need, we got worship leaders up here. We need some worship leaders out there. So if you want to come and be a, a, a part, I'm zeroed in, I'm dialed in, I'm sunk in on what God wants, and I'm going to come early and pray and worship and prepare. And what's going to happen is the work that's going to happen that night's going to happen at that prayer meeting. We'll just show up at 530 and see it happen. But it's going to break there. And so if you want to be a part of that, let me tell you how complicated it is. Show up. That's it. I don't need your email. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to sign. Just come. Just come. It's open. And we will pray and seek God's face together. And uh, I think that is going to become one of the guiding, the guiding spiritual reality of our life. And so I want to ask you to be a part of it. Here's the other thing. Um, to help with uh, devotional life and those things, we're going to do two retreats this year called One Day. 
One day. Uh, we're calling it that because it'll actually be one day. It won't be overnight. Uh, I, I know that we all fight schedule issues and all that stuff. And schedule is a mean demon. It's legion. So we're, we're going we're gonna to try to rebuke it. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to come to service together. We'll have uh, lunch. And uh, some folks will go off to the retreat. Have the time uh, near a, in a local place that won't be far. And then have dinner together and that'll be it. But here's what the retreat will be. It'll be a time of renewal. Uh, I think we've not understood how to apply Sabbath uh, in the American life. And so it'll be that way. It'll be that way to pull back and, and have spiritual renewal and then have some training uh, on your own devotional life. And so it'll just be a shot in the arm for you spiritually to help you continue to grow and strengthen in your own walk with the Lord. So that's going to be April 3rd. And it'll be some nominal fee. We'll do it as cheap as we can possibly do it uh, and still have quality. But um, I want you to begin to think about that. You know, when I left youth ministry, can I tell you the the thing that I missed the most? And I wasn't one of the guys that, you know, was about to blow up. That's why I left. I, I grieved. This is the honest truth. My wife will tell you. I grieved for six months when I left youth ministry because I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved it. I just loved it. And when I left, it was, it was uh, a grieving for me. But the thing that I missed the most were retreats. And I'll tell you why. Adults don't tend to take them um, because we're compulsive. <laughs> and, 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 we, and we go too hard. But here's what I always saw. I loved retreats because I would see God do things and, and on a retreat that it might take two to six months in the normal cycle of uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and the normal cycle of normal stuff. When you pull away and separate and shut the other voices off long enough, it's amazing how much louder God gets. And in those retreats, uh, He can really speak to you. So I want to encourage you uh, to look at those things. We are pressing to grow. We are moving for spiritual depth and growth. Now, as we kind of bring this to a head this morning, I want to talk to you for a couple minutes about your own devotions. Uh, we've got to make a determination on uh, whether it is that Jesus is our example or not. If Jesus is our example, then we've got to take seriously how he lived. And Jesus' habit was to pull away and have private time with the Father. That was his habit. And Jesus was our example, so that's what we should do. But also, if Jesus in his own humanity needed it, then you and I in some way need it. So what I want to do this morning is we'll do other vision next week and the next week and the next week. But what I want to do is I want to start where we start. And where all vision starts is a relationship with you and God. So I just want to give you this morning a, a quick uh, way to do your own devotions. I just want to give you a, a qu thinking that I, I started doing devotions regularly in, uh, in about, I don't know, 1990. And, and I mean, I've had ups and downs and gaps and spaces and hills and valleys and snakes and rivers and all kind of stuff. Been through a lot of stuff. But through all of that, God has continued to help me grow in my own devotional life with him. And that relationship has become a wellspring of life. 
And so I want to just share with you, if if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you three things you need to do a devotional life. Um, We're going to talk about Bible study as part of devotions at another time. But let's just talk about that meeting with God. There's three things you need. These are going to be so complicated. (laughs) It'll blow you away. Look, I'm convinced the way the enemy works is he tries to make things with God harder than they are so you won't do them. And he also pulls on our own brokenness, our own emotions to do that. Remember when we said last week, the serpent, he's crafty, the more the other animals comes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say don't eat from any of the trees? No, God didn't say that. God said don't eat from one tree. But he made it harder than it was to sow the seed that, that you can't do this and God's unfair. But I want to tell you something. He's a liar and, and God is a truth speaker and he loves you and the enemy's just trying to discourage you from coming into that place that God wants you to be. And so here's what you need. Number one. You need a place. Isn't that complicated? If you wait till it's time to do your devotions to find somewhere to do it, I bet you you're not going to find somewhere to do it. You've got to decide, where is it I'm going to meet with God? When I interned here in whatever it was, 92 or something, the school was closed in the summer, and I went over and hid in the classroom because I didn't think anybody could find me over there. I think even June can't find you there. And, and then... Uh, I, when I was in Florida, I went in a little, uh, my, our new believers, new converts room. People, people didn't tend to look there through the week. I'd go there. And then as I've gotten a little older, one of the things I do is I walk. Uh, I, my mind's way overactive and, and it won't behave. So the way I can get it to settle down is do something while I'm trying to think. So if I walk, I tend to, I tend to think clear. So I walk when I pray. So I get my stuff on in the morning. This morning it was, you know, 22 with about a 16 windshield. And I wrapped up all my stuff and I walked. And last week Stacy said to me, she said, man, I am so impressed. I mean, if it rains or snows, whatever, you just go walk. I said, don't be impressed. I hate exercise. It has nothing to do with it. It's just where I pray. But I've got to pray. I have to pray. I have to be with God. I have to. You have to. And so find a place that's not easily disturbed, where you're alone. And I walk the same path every time, not because I enjoy the path, but because I'm not interested in new things. Once the path becomes familiar to me, I shut my mind off and I can just pray. If I go on a new path every time, I'll be looking around. You know what I mean? I'll be bug-eyed, wigging around at all the new stuff. But I just walk the path, walk the path, walk the path. Sometimes I don't even know where I am on the path. I'm just praying. I'm, I'm just with God. I, I found the greatest verse, Luke five sixteen, in the message. It says, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Out-of-the-way places. Where's your out-of-the-way place? Maybe, maybe you have more than one. Find a place. Here's the second thing. You, you, I'm convinced you need a prayer plan. Now, people have a scripture reading plan. Um, but I think, all, and we'll talk about that another time, but... I think people don't often consider a prayer plan. Now, here's why I say you need a prayer plan. When I sat down with those 25 youth workers and I talked to them about their prayer life, one of the things that I began to discover is, in my own life and theirs, people tend to pray toward their own interest. We tend to pray about what we're interested in. We tend to pray about what we're passionate about. The problem is you and I aren't interested in or passionate about all the things we need to pray about. Right? Right? Because we're like not Jesus. Say, I'm not him. <laughs> so what you have to do is draw off the scripture 
the, the components of what a prayer life should look like and then move yourself through those so that, you know, so that you know you're in the whole kingdom. You know the whole kingdom is moving in your life. And so look, don't think for a minute that the depth is in the plan. If you think the depth's in the plan, you're wrong. The depth's not in the plan, the depth's not in the model. The model just holds the essence of your life together long enough to have the depth. But the plan's not the depth, because there's no perfect prayer plan. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done all kinds. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you the one this morning that I have done the longest and the most in my life. It's very simple, and it just gives you broad ideas. Here's, here's the thing. It's ACTS. How many of you have heard of the ACTS model? A-C-T-S. You heard of that? Some of you? A-C-T-S. It's a... Um, whatever that's called, acronym, where all the letters start and they spell something, they go that way. You know what that means? Adore Him. Adore Him. So take some time in your prayer life to worship. Adore God. Change me. There has to come that time where, where you, you are honest enough with God about what's in your own life and open enough that he can come and make the changes that he wants to make because he loves you. And you have to be receptive enough that you can hear him lead you to those places. Because only God knows you. Proverbs says, of all things, the heart is most deceitful. And so God knows you better than you know yourself. You just have to be open enough to hear him talk to you about the things that need to happen. And then, and then open enough to let him do them. So adore him, change me, thank him. That's that time you just come back and allow gratitude to rise in your life. Uh, Oftentimes, I focus on God's attributes. The part of God that I'm most thankful for that day. And I thank him. And I praise him. And I just show gratitude to him. And then the last one is support prayers. Support prayers. This is just where I bring the things, uh, uh, the burdens of, of those around me, the burdens of my family. That has to do with all the issues of earth. Whatever it is I'm praying about on earth, I just bring those to God. Then li- listen to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 out of the message. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises Shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now, the the problem when you give people a plan to pray by is... uh, Like I said, the depth's not in the plan. You can't go on autopilot and work through the plan. The plan just holds the frame of your prayer life together long enough for you to grow and mature and connect with Him. And then, and I was thinking about that this morning. The more you pray and the more you go through that thing, the more your devotions is like a dance. You turn, then God turns. He takes a step and you follow Him. And as you're praying, you're actually listening. And as you're praying, you're hearing God say things to you. And it becomes a conversation. You're talking and he's talking and you're hearing. And, and he's receiving what you're saying. And it becomes a... But it takes, 
It takes time to grow into that. It takes time to grow there. And, and as you work through the plan, here's where people freak out. What if, what if there's something that I need to pray about and I don't know which one it fits in? Jesus is going to be okay. You can just pray about it. What if you say, there's something on my heart and I don't know. It doesn't fit in any of those. Look, here's the thing that I tell people. Pray the plan. Pray through it. And then always add every day anything else that's on your heart that day. It's a relationship. But if you only pray what's on your heart, if you write down the things that are on your heart, you'll find that the same things are on your heart over and over and you're missing some part of the kingdom. So pray the plan to keep the whole kingdom moving in your life and, and, and then pray everything that's on your heart. Now here's the third thing. You need a place, a plan, and you've got to make it a priority. That's just the bottom line. Like, like the Colorado River rushing through the rigid side mountains of the Grand Canyon is what it's like to cut a new groove in your schedule. But what you've got to do is say, Jesus died for me and my purpose on earth is to get to know God and enjoy Him. And you've got to set your mind on it and, and cut a new path across your schedule. You, you, you have to, that's the only way it's going to happen. It's not going to accidentally happen. You're not going to have a good enough encounter with God to, to just stick. You've got to make it a priority. You've got to make it a priority in your life. You've got to decide that it's more important than anything else I do, and I'll find a way to make it happen. Now, here's the deal, though. Don't move into it with condemnation. Here's what I love about this. And look, I've gone through ups and downs. I've gone through guilt. I've gone through emotions. I've gone through condemnation. I've gone through accusation. And if you're honest, most of you have or will. And that is the enemy piling up all the energy he can against you to try to get you to quit. And so you say, I missed the day. I missed the day. I missed the day. God's not important enough to me. Hey, welcome to the human race. I missed a week. I missed a week. What do I do? Let me tell you what to do. You can't change the past, but you can let the past ruin the future. There is therefore now no condemnation that those that are in Christ Jesus that walk according to the Spirit and not after the flesh. Lamentations 3 says, your mercy is new every morning. Get up every morning as if it's the first day. And just do that day. Just do that day. And if you've not done your devotions in a month, or if you've done them every day, if you've done them hit and miss, no matter about today, today's today. Just meet with God today. And draw off the abundant mercy that is yours that day. And, and God will grow you. He'll grow you. He'll, he'll grow out of your life. What I wanted to do this morning is... Is just is just do do a do a quick devotion with you and show you how that how that looks how it works and and right where you sit just as Pastor Micah comes just focus in with me for a minute and and I just want to show you uh, how a devotion looks or feels when when I like I said I walk because uh, that's the only way I can concentrate. So when I'm, when I'm walking, you get to the point, you're there, you're in your place, and you start to adore Him.
And just as I walk, I say, Lord, today I shut off the challenges of my life. Sometimes when I pray, I say, Lord, none of the things that are challenging me are bigger than you. And none of the things that I'm enjoying in life are better than you. And this morning, Lord, would you, do a, would you do a devotion with me? This morning, Lord, we adore you. God, we just adore you. We worship you. We lift your name up. <laughs> Lord, I take my eyes off the things that they're stuck on in this world. I take my eyes off the, off the challenges, off the opportunities, off the uh, uh, weaknesses of my own life. Lord, I take my eyes off the material world and I fix them on you today. Lord, I love you. You you are incredible. And you are awesome. You are mighty. Lord, I adore you. Lord, I absolutely adore you. Lord, I love you. You died to love me and I receive your love today. And I love you back. God, I love you. God, I love you. I love you. I love you. Lord, I love you. And I worship you from my heart. I worship you. And now, Lord, I ask you to change me. Would you just pray and ask the Lord to change you? Lord, I pray that you change me in my inner man. God, I need you. Lord, I'm not complete. I'm not whole. I'm not perfect. Lord, I haven't arrived. God, I need you today. And I need you. As we go to fast tomorrow, as I start my fast, Lord, I want you to change me. There's stuff you've been wanting to do in me. Lord, heal. Heal the insecurities in my life. The things that cause me to depend on excesses. The things that cause me to do things, over-enjoy things that you've given me. Lord, clean me of that. Break the ties that bind me. Lord, to break the chains that hold me back. Lord, I pray that you'd break the excesses of my life. And I pray you'd move into my inner man and heal me. Lord, heal the broken places so that I won't substitute the joy of the Lord for those things. Lord, I want your joy to be my food. I want your joy to be my feast. Change me. And Lord, I thank you today. Would you thank him? God, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your patience. As I think back to the first time that I met you in Memphis, Tennessee at 2 o'clock in the morning in my little house as I knelt, you've been so patient with me. You've been so patient with me in my own failures and my own humanity and my own weaknesses. I've been on and off. Sometimes I've pursued you with all my heart and sometimes I haven't at all. I've been just as cold and numb. And Lord, thank you for being patient. God, you've been so patient with me. Thank you for your patience. You are long-suffering and you are kind and you are loving. And I thank you, God, for who you are today. Thank you, Lord. And when I get to support prayers, Stacy taught me, my wife, I found when I go to intercede for things, my prayer list got so long I couldn't pray for everything every day. So she she d- developed something in her devotions that I use, theme days. So every day I have a different theme. My theme for Sunday is I pray for you. I pray for you. And so Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for the families in this church. Lord, I pray for the husbands and wives just as I asked you earlier today I pray that you would move the saliva glands 
of the Spirit in this body that we would hunger and thirst. Lord, that the appetite of this church would increase for you. That there would come a starvation. There would come a dry, chalky, desperate longing to know your face, to hear your voice. God, I pray you'd help help me and help this church to hear your voice. Lord, that we might encounter you. That we might, we might know you. Lord, let there come a growth and a life spring up a well from your spirit and let a river flow through this place. Lord, heal. Lord, I, I pray uh, Annette Turner called yesterday. Annette and Phil Turner are in Mobile, Alabama, or Pensacola. It's Sacred Heart. Her dad had a melanoma tumor uh, erupt in his, on his, in his head and they're doing surgery this morning. Lord, I pray for Phil and Annette, Phil, uh, Annette's dad. God, I pray that you would cover him with wholeness. I pray you'd cover him with healing. Lord, I pray that you would rebuke that tumor off his life. And I pray that you'd let the covering grace of God heal him like a mighty rushing river. Lord, I ask you for Phil and Annette. The word that you spoke to me when I got the text from her is God has not given them a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I stand against fear in their life this morning. We love you and we believe you for them. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You've done a devotion. You've done a devotion. It's not that hard. And it's not about how you sound. Your vocabulary will change because your spirit's changing, but your vocabulary won't change your spirit. But it's not how you sound. We've got a song that we've dedicated for this year's theme, for the growth theme. I want you to stand with me.